0: Hey guys, you're listening to Leaving a Legacy.
1: You don't right. have to scoop to anyone,
0: right. even hey. your mom, you
1: know, when she's going to pop eight and you're going to walk around man.
2: <laughs> so we're going... We're, we moved into the ballsy portion
3: of that.
4: There's some things you just can't buy in Like, not like Mex- Mexican food, you can't buy Mexican food. <laughs>
2: Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of Leaving a Legacy. Today is a very special episode, brought to you by, uh we'll say, Reading Rainbow. <laughs> LeVar <laughs> Burton's
0: the greatest!
2: <laughs> um, well, my name's Patrick, I am your Legacy newbie and, and ultimate student on the cast. And with me today we have Mr. Jerry Mee uh, of the uh, Daily Magic Update fame. <laughs> What's up, Jerry? I made it to the big time, Ma. I'm,
0: I'm finally here.
2: You did, you did, uh, that Spice Rack article was very good, Jerry oh, thanks, Pat, appreciate it
0: Yeah, people seem to get a kick out of it, so I'm happy
2: It was great, throwing it back to being a little kid and being just a like, straight-up curmudgeon <laughs>
0: Yeah, I realized that as a little kid, I decided to say, just, I don't need friends
2: <laughs> um, And also joining us today, um, author of the book, Magic the Addiction, uh, Mr. James Shu. what's going on, man?
5: Hey, I'm doing good, how are you doing?
2: I'm doing great. I get, I got that right, right? It's, it's shoe.
5: Yep, you got right. it. I,
0: I, ho- I hope you didn't listen to last week's cast because I just like butchered it nonstop. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I've
5: been called all kinds of different names uh, and mispronunciations over the years by different teachers and people, so it's totally cool i've heard every permutation of
2: it it's okay jerry jerry and i have been casting for over a year now and he still doesn't say my last name correctly so don't take it personally i, I
0: like how there's a twitter thread going on right now with like 10 different people just pointing out all the things i mispronounce on the cast thanks guys oh,
2: yeah well, we can go over it later but it is the list it's quite lengthy um so today you know uh, uh, james approached us you know i i actually seen um, kind of the early stages of you getting out there And promoting your book um, But before we get to that, do you want to just tell us a little bit about yourself How you got into Magic and sort of your background in the game
5: Yes, absolutely So I have been playing the game I think since I was about 12 or 13 years old I started in Revised Edition Playing my brother And sort of dabbled in Magic And other games over time that have been competitive And uh, Maybe even taking a step back from that. I was originally from Taiwan, but I grew up in Canada, West Coast. So I'm Taiwanese Canadian, and I've just been playing the game, enjoying the game for a number of years, and really got into Legacy at some point, the Legacy format, <laughs> which is you know one of my favorites. And here, uh, na- <laughs> yep. Yeah, and uh, you know, I've just been playing the game, enjoying the game, and now I move. I've actually been in China for about four and a half years now, after being in Vancouver, Canada, for most of my life. So uh, that's kind of myself in a nutshell. Wow,
0: so you've you've been all over the place, so you you can get, like, you get the metas from all over the world.
5: (laughs) Yes, that's right. It's been really interesting. I mean, obviously, in North America, you know about the different metas in different regions, East Coast, West Coast, and central in different places mm-hmm. and in China it's also a different animal and I've also had a chance to travel for work in the past and I've sort of brought my deck of cards with me and I played in places like Amsterdam, Germany, uh different international places, uh mm-hmm. Japan, Taiwan. So, yeah, it's been it's been really it's been really cool just being part of like the international flavor of magic. <laughs> nice. I like it. I like it.
0: So, I guess just to kind of get right down to it, um, you know, what prompted you to write the book? Like, did you just wake up one day and you're like, I'm gonna dedicate the next couple months to a year of my life doing this?
5: Yeah, like, any good magic... Player, I like to vent and complain. <laughs> the greatest uh,
0: of muses. The greatest of
5: muses. There's just something that pulls us all in and makes us wanna. There's just this compelling urge. Um, but
3: <laughs> but seriously,
5: um, I basically had this rock bottom moment. Well, I, it was rock bottom for me. I had such a great time playing Magic over the years, but there was this one incident in 2014 where I was. You guys still remember when Treasure Cruise was legal, right?
0: Was that really 2014? I feel like that was like a month ago. (laughs) Yeah, I I remember it all too well.
5: (laughs) Yeah, so around that time when Bob Huang made Blue Red Delver the best deck in Magic in Legacy and Treasure Cruise was legal, the the Grand Prix New Jersey was announced. And Mm -hmm. I was in Beijing already at the time, and I had this romanticized view that I would go to New Jersey and day two and top eight or top 16 and do really well. And I built up this notion in my head based on the fact that I had so much fun playing magic in the past. And so I literally just booked a flight on my own from Beijing to Edison, New Jersey. I sat in that convention center for two days and maybe three days before that in a hotel. And I was extremely, extremely hoping to do well And it just didn't work out Like I didn't even go with my friends I didn't even I play tested a little bit But I kind of like I kind of had this romanticized notion of How I was going to do And when I didn't do so well I just felt like For lack of a better term It just kind of all came crashing down I was like wow this game sucks And why did I sacrifice vacation with my girlfriend to Thailand To fly from Beijing to New Jersey to play in this stupid Grand Prix And with with a guy who was He's now a good friend, but I didn't know him that well at the time. And so I didn't even have my, my, my magic crew or people. You know, I guess Jerry can imagine if you go to a tournament and you're not even get a chance to talk to somebody or, uh, you just, you just show up and play and -hmm. you don't even go see your friends around the Jersey area and then you go home. And that's kind of how it was for me. And so when I got back to Beijing, I was thinking about it and I really just wanted to burn all the bridges I had and just vent and write about Magic in a kind of negative way And so that's kind of what I started to do (laughs) Um, But the funny thing is that Through the process of writing It was actually kind of therapeutic Mm -hmm. I actually thought about it a little bit And thought about what I did right and did wrong My mental approach And the fact that you know I realized that Obviously friends were very important When I was playing Magic And arguably the most important And so that's kind of what became the shell for the book.
2: Yeah, because I was
0: going to say, like, reading the book, I didn't really feel like it came from a position of venting or complaining about the game. I thought it was more, uh, you know, the the way it drew my interest in is it's all about this kind of, like, community aspect, because... The entire book is you're, you talking about relationships you have, relationships you have with other players, relationships you have with your opponents, with your family, with you know, significant others, and it kind of like builds the story off of those relationships and how they they play in and out of each other, which I really liked.
5: Right, um, and that's and that's the one thing I loved about uh, my initial thing, which was a blog post, and then turning it into something. That's a little bit fuller in length because I had the chance to reflect and to test different sections, <laughs> and uh, and to sort of reflect really. And I think the ultimate when I started writing off the book, I was thinking this is the final thing I'm going to write. I'm going to quit magic after this. Mm-hmm. But I ended up you know, on a good note. So the the, spo- the spoiler alert is that I am <laughs> start continuing to play magic and continuing to play Legacy. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Nice.
2: It's funny because I, I think that yeah, I wrote an article not that long ago just about the balance between magic and like and just your life in general um you know I'm am I'm a dad I have two kids so for me like magic is only a, a portion of what I'm able to do and like my time is very limited I can imagine like you know flying from Beijing to to New Jersey it's got to be not, I mean, not only like the cost of it, but just the time invested just to go to a to a GP, um, especially when it's not like a, when you're when you don't set it up as being like a social situation, mm-hmm. you set it up as being strictly competitive. That must put an uh, unbelievable amount of pressure and stress upon yourself. And like, it's to, like a business to, trip. <laughs> yeah, exa- yeah, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Like you're look, you're going there to close a deal, and like, and when that doesn't happen, it's like it's a. I mean, that's a problem, right?
5: Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was really bad, and you guys nailed it. I mean, it was. Really felt like work. Uh, (laughs) It felt like I was leaving, taking time from work to do another job, Mm -hmm. and to use a poker term, I was, I was mentally all in. Like I was Mm -hmm. mentally all in, and it didn't, it didn't work out very well. So I, I had to adjust my, my, my thinking after that.
0: Also, in New Jersey, I, I was there, I was actually realizing that, that we were actually in the same room probably, you know, within like 10 feet of each other and never knew it. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, Jersey was definitely tying, tiring on emotions and just stress. It was just a lot of people in not the best conditions. Like, they ran out of food, there wasn't enough bathrooms... You know, rounds lasted, you know, went like half an hour over time. So it was also not the, the, like the perfectly run enjoyable experience you could have by yourself.
5: Yeah. yeah. Uh, and I think, but although having said that, I think the fact that it was historically a high turnout, well, I guess they kind of knew it was, right? Because mm-hmm. they knew there were going to be 3,000 people. So I, I really can't say they weren't prepared because they should have been prepared. But yes, absolutely. There were some things that the waiting times could have been a little bit better, and this is me putting on my Magic Complainer hat again, so... Yeah. (laughs) There's nothing wrong with
2: that. So, let's just rewind a little bit and get a little bit more about kind of where you started the Magic. When did you start playing Magic originally?
5: So, I was about... I think it was around Revised Edition. So, my brother and I had been playing games all throughout our childhood, but one day we just sort of walked into... I think it was the early 90s. It might have been... Yeah, probably around I want to say 93, 94... We walked into a gaming store and we just saw this beautiful shrink wrapped revised starter set. Uh, I don't know if you guys have seen it, but it's, it was, mm-hmm. it was on the counter and they, they had it open and they had the, 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 the life counters, they had the two decks and also underneath it, they had sort of the display unit with all the singles. And I had never seen magic singles before. So I was like, wow, what is this Shivan dragon? What is this? They didn't show the dual lands. I didn't care about those. Uh, but uh, but you know it's like wow. I mean, what are these cards? And you could actually play with them. And so that's kind of how it started. My brother and I just urged our parents to get us a starter set, and we just started playing like every day for maybe about a year. And that's kind of how it all, how it all started.
2: And you guys were you guys were gamers too, right? You said that you guys played a lot of board games, and I can't remember if you had also mentioned video games. But you guys really enjoyed. The competition of gaming and you know growing up with three brothers, like I also know the the competition that exists between brothers. So that must have been a big driving force for you too.
5: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we had the sibling rivalry. I was the older brother, but we wanted to beat each other at everything. So we <laughs> played video games. We we fought. We physically fought. We played basketball. We played one on one. We wrestled. <laughs> <with the laughs> Power drivers. Uh, we did. We did all kinds of things, and I think, yeah, one of the highlights was when our parents got us the Nintendo, the original Nintendo, and we played all these kind of uh, competitive games where we like, we never wanted to play co-op, we just wanted to play against each other, and so, yes, we definitely played a lot of video games.
2: Yeah, that's great. So, now, tell me a little bit about, like, you know, did you play all through high school, or did you kind of get out of the game, into the game? I know, like, for myself, personally, like, I, t- I took a long break from the game.
0: Well, oh, I I wanted to bring that up because James, I, I, as I read it, you had a little affair with the enemy for a brief
2: period of time. Are we, are we <laughs> yeah. talking about Are we talking about the, the Star Wars? CCG? Oh yes.
3: <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
5: you know, I wanted to be really revisionist and write it out of my story. But I, I was just so knee deep in the Star Wars CCG, not the not the one later that Wizards made, but it was the original decipher. Star Wars CCG. Mm-hmm. It was actually a pretty f- cool game, but it was kind of like a, uh, it was kind pay, of a, to a money stake to put it, to put it very lightly. I mean, just imagine every, every competitive card costing like $100 or $50 at the time and you can imagine what it's like. But I was sort of really into that because I was not so happy with the magic players that I was playing against at school. They all sort of felt Douchey. (laughs) Um, And so I wanted to play another game. I wanted to be kind of the hipster who played the alternative game. And so I found out about the Star Wars CCG and I played that fairly religiously for basically all of my high school, all my high school life. Yeah. That was sort of my first foray into competitive gaming with people other than my brother. And then sort of I entered university and stopped playing because it wasn't cool to play card games anymore. Um, <laughs> yep. And then I played casual Magic again with some friends, and then we got hooked again. We dropped the video game controllers and started playing Magic again. I mean, who would have thought? And, <laughs> and then I sort of got into my first Magic tournament a little bit later. But yeah, I really didn't play Magic competitively in high school. I still played it for fun, but it was a little bit later that I started to... Um, to do that, once I got away from the dark side of the Star Wars. Season.
0: <laughs> it's it's okay, James. I also strayed from the path because uh, I I played the Lord of the Rings card game that was made by Decipher too, and that game was also not very well balanced at all. <laughs> I feel Decipher just kind of had a had a habit of that. But, yeah.
5: Yeah,
0: <laughs> we, we we found our way back to the light of magic, <laughs> and it's all work welcoming embrace. <laughs> oh boy, but uh, yeah. So you you kind of what I just kind of wanted to touch on is it feels uh, like every time you come back into magic is because you get pulled in with your with your friends. So you want to kind of just go over them a little bit and see kind of what the influence they they have been in in this entire process
5: yeah absolutely so i can't understate this enough my friends are the reason that i'm still playing magic today because i'm in my 30s and i have a lot of other stuff going on but it's just the, the pull of having friends so i think the person who is the most instrumental to me uh keeping me in magic today is actually someone who is a fairly regular legacy player his name is matt pavlik he um He's the fan of the Siege Rhino in Legacy. He's a big fan of the uh, the Rock and Nick Fit. Um, I started playing four Siege Rhinos in Legacy because of him. Um, but he was somebody who, I think, it's really funny because he was actually the first guy that I met when I started playing in Magic tournaments. I remember the first tournament I went to was a Legacy tournament. And he was the first guy to welcome me and shake my hand when I didn't know anybody. And just over the years, we did so many things together. We did the road trip to GP Providence in twenty eleven mm-hmm. and that was just a blast. Like we, we did a whole road trip thing.
0: <laughs> Your story uh, about the Greyhound bus was hilarious in that in that road trip.
5: <laughs> thank you, thank you. That's uh that that really it really did feel like how I wrote it at the time. It's just like I thought we were gonna die and uh people were gonna murder us.
0: <laughs> that that sounds about accurate for Greyhound buses.
5: <laughs> Especially when there was that incident in Canada just Maybe mm-hmm. a month or two before, where somebody murders somebody. I don't even know why I'm laughing, but it, it's just going back in time. It's just yeah, yeah. It was, it was, it was. Well, it, it wasn't. Was, it wasn't. It, was a big it yeah.
0: wasn't just murdered. They straight up decapitated like the passenger Jesus. next to them.
5: Yeah, man. It was like one <laughs> it of was these,
0: pretty uh, fucked up. I remember it was that. was one. one of these
5: like censored illustrations on a magic card, kind
0: Yeah.
5: Of <laughs> yep. um, uh, yeah. So, so Matt's been just so key to keeping me in the game because he also got me hooked on the idea of pimping. Like, he was basically... I mean, he basically looks like a drug dealer right now. I mean, I don't mean like literally, but, you know, he he has a suitcase of cards, he drives a... A nice card that he traded in power to buy.
0: Yeah, I Um, I read that. (laughs) I love, he bought a, he bought a Porsche trading in Magic Cards. Yeah, like,
5: like packed Porsche (laughs) or something like that. I like,
0: I like how you included like a, like a semi, like a parenthesis afterwards, like this is not an exaggeration. (laughs) Because it's like the average person does not think that would be possible, trading Magic Cards for Porsches.
5: Right. And he has a little scale that he brings in his suitcase. So to like, to weigh like cards if the, in case they're counterfeit. And so we just always joke about it. Like, Matt, you're basically a drug dealer. <laughs> uh,
0: it really yeah. is true. Like high end legacy dealers, they, they are drug dealers. They sling cardboard to crack.
5: <laughs> yeah. I mean, I was with him in GP Seattle in November last year and he was doing, she's making the rounds like, Talking about people And he has connections Like you just He can just call somebody And someone will come With like power Or like hey You know I gotta make a deal With this guy and that guy He's like the power broker You know so Yeah, uh, uh, yeah anyway I think magic's probably More addictive than Than actual drugs But that's that's a story <laughs> For another day Yeah uh, <laughs> um, But yeah Matt's just been Really encouraging to me Because even though We have a, a A large age difference He's a lot younger Than I have He's one of these guys Who's incredibly mature And when I moved to China He sort of we we talked a lot over Skype and Facebook and you sort of um, we basically became really, really good friends outside of magic as well, even though Magic was the, the starting point. And so I think if I could mention one person and shout out to Matt, I mean it would be sort of he would be the one who really was my initial contact in competitive magic and sort of has kept me in the game. Uh yeah. Nice.
0: Awesome, yeah. He sounds like a sounds like a cool guy. I feel he would fit in real great with uh, Team Tusk uh, down in Atlanta. Just the, nothing but siege rhinos.
5: <laughs> he is actually sort of affiliated because they do this uh, podcast together uh, with Sean O'Brien. Like Sean O'Brien's in Team Tusk mm-hmm. oh, and the, the Tusk Talk? And actually yeah, Tusk Talk. And yeah. then uh, Sean's also guests on. Everyday eternal, ah. and so they've known each other for a long time. And actually, the first time I met Sean actually was just last year through Matt. So they they know each other well, but just Matt's sort of got a lot of uh, non-magic stuff going on right now, so he's a little bit more low profile.
3: <laughs>
5: awesome.
0: Cool. Well, hopefully, we'll uh, run into Matt sometime. I I feel it's inevitable. Just uh, the way he sounds. It's like, yeah, if you hang out in Colombia in the nineteen eighties long enough, you'll run into Pablo Escobar eventually. <laughs> <laughs> um, just whisper just to just someone and ask for Matt Pablo.
3: Yeah.
0: <laughs> I'm here for Matt. Who wants to know? <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, how about we get into so one thing I, I was I uh, was really interested in because it mirrored my own experience is how you just dived headfirst straight into legacy uh, when you came back to Magic. Uh, so you want to talk about that a little bit?
5: Yes. So I did a lot of a lot of research around what the formats were like because I had never played competitive Magic up to that point. So I, I read a lot of things. I I read about the different formats and I just sort of landed on Legacy initially because I thought, hey, I had the older cards and I really enjoyed the older cards. But not only that, but I missed out on all these years of competitive magic where there were cool cards like Jute and other things (laughs) that I didn't, that, uh, I say that that sarcastically, uh, where I didn't, I didn't get a chance to play those things. So it seemed, and I couldn't, I didn't really want to buy power. So to me, Legacy was just, the best option, because I got to play with high power cards, uh, I got to use the stack, and I got to walk down memory lane, because I had some of my older cards. Um, it, it was also a fact that I had always been uh, a black mage at heart, and so I've always loved Suicide Black, even though it was casual, and so I had this maybe mistaken notion that I could do do that in Legacy and do pretty well with it, and so... Um, and then I found out, wow, there's a card called Tarmogoyf. Okay, then I have to buy Bayou's and then it uh, became Eva Green. But anyway, it was, uh, uh, yeah, it was just sort of, I, I thought it was an evergreen format. I had some of the cards. There was some nostalgia involved, and that's kind of why I got into Legacy. And also, I didn't have a lot of time to keep up to date on all of the latest standard and extended formats. And so I thought that was, Legacy might be the best option, even though I knew there was a high learning curve involved. Mm-hmm. Definitely.
0: Uh, so what, what do you want in, uh, so are you still playing Legacy or is there not really a Legacy scene where you are right now? What, what's kind of the Legacy situation and are, are you in Beijing still?
5: Yes, I'm in Beijing right now and I actually play quite a bit of Legacy by, I guess by my standards, I try to play maybe once or twice a week. Um, it's not a lot, but there's a fairly active, group here. Uh, Actually, Magic is really, really popular in China. I didn't know that my first year or so here, Mm -hmm. but uh, I mean, you got lots of modern players, standard, legacy. There's a lot of good players here and I feel myself getting challenged whenever I try to play my legacy decks. So, yeah, I try to play.
0: Nice, so I'm gonna add Beijing to the places I can move to if I ever leave New England. <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> it's like whenever whenever I'm considering it's like, oh, maybe I want to leave New England. Oh, I can't I can't move there. They don't have a legacy scene there. That's just not an option.
5: <laughs> but I mean you guys must have, must have a vibrant scene, right? Just in terms of options.
0: Yeah. Um it, I, I think we're definitely spoiled I, I can't even say anything against that like we New England is spoiled for legacy it's it's definitely one of the meccas for the format um mm-hmm. w- what would you kind of say i we were talking a little bit off cast and you're uh, you a death and taxes player at heart
5: yes so that's one of my that's one of my favorite decks to play uh and I have the I have this kind of I have this kind of uh, affliction that afflicts a lot of Legacy players is that I can't seem to settle on a deck. (laughs) I always seem to dabble between different decks. It might be a Siege Rhino, it might be, might be Thalia, it might be Storm. I like playing that as well. I've tried all kinds of different decks over the years, but I would say definitely right now Death and Taxes is my, is my main, main deck of choice. Yes.
0: Uh, and as my arch-nemesis, we're going to have to end the cast now. <laughs> uh, God, I just... I I cry a little bit on the inside every time I see planes at Aether Vial. I'm just like, this is the end of the day.
5: <laughs> you're, a sneak, you're a sneak and show player, right? So it's oh, not yeah. a easy matchup. It's,
0: it's like a 90-10 matchup, if not worse. <laughs> uh, Huey Jensen, who's like one of the greatest sneak and show players uh, in Legacy... Has like uh, said more than a couple times, like, "Yep, Death and Taxes hardest hardest deck for Sneak and Show to beat. So it's, it's not possible. <laughs>
5: mm-hmm. It's just and it's actually a yeah, it's actually a pretty good deck to play in Beijing meta because there's a lot of people on unfair decks like Sneak and Show and Reanimator. So yeah. yeah,
0: yeah, definitely. It's just it's just the combination of just all the hate. <laughs> just you know, main deck uh, Phyrexian Revokers for sneak attack, Caracas for the show and tell, Thalia's. It's just, it, it, you would think as a mono-white deck without counterspells, it would be bad against combo, but it just wrecks Sneak and Show.
5: Yeah, I mean, Death and Taxes is just one of these things that shouldn't even exist. Uh, it's really <laughs> just, a, and I say this with all due respect as a Death and Taxes player, it's really just a pile of cards that synergize extremely well together. I mean, if, if an alien came down to Earth and saw us playing Magic, he would probably just laugh in my face and, and say, "What are you doing with this uh, this deck here with the with the, the hate bear?" Um,
0: man, for right. an Shots extra- fired
5: at Legacy players. Shots fired. <laughs>
0: yeah. for, for an extraterrestrial, this guy knows a lot about the Legacy matter.
5: <laughs> yeah, maybe he mind melded with us first
2: or something. Mag- like. Magic is a very popular game, Jerry.
0: Yeah.
5: <laughs> yeah, the aliens are playing it. Yeah,
2: they love yeah. tar- You think all those boxes of Eternal Masters are going, Jerry?
0: <laughs> do you know how hard it is to find a Tarmogoyf on Beta Seven, man? It's impossible. <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> so so you mentioned that the uh the meta in Beijing is a little different than what what we would see in the US. I mean, as a fairly new legacy player, like I I've seen a lot of the obviously the New England scene where we have a lot of miracles, a lot of fair decks, and I say a good amount of like combo decks like Sneak and Show and like Storm, but what do you see out in Beijing and like and also just sort of like the cultural difference of being in Asia versus being in the US?
5: Yeah, that's a great question. So there's kind of two parts to it, right? One is the the, the meta, and one is sort of the cultural differences. Mm-hmm. And the the meta part, I would say that people tend to gravitate towards fair decks, uh, with the exception of easy mode combo decks. Uh, I'm sorry Jerry, but sneak and show <laughs> Yeah,
0: you know, Yo, but you, you haven't seen my my sneak and show list is fire. My sneak oh, and show list geez, is all Jerry. over the
5: place. <laughs> oh no no no. Hey, I, Jerry. I actually write in the book that there's no honor to win through like Doomsday or anything like that. So, you know. <laughs> Um, There's no honor in like. There's no moral victories in magic. Is sort of what I one of the lessons I learned if I want to try to win. And so I'm not trying to denigrate (laughs) shots at everybody today. But um, but yeah, like there's uh, there's fair decks uh, like you know, shardless and uh, death and taxes and sort of Delver decks. Miracles. There's not so much actually. Uh, In fact, there might actually be more Eldrazi decks than miracles just because of card availability and different factors there is an unusually high amount of death and taxes because of it being perceived as kind of a budget option um, mm-hmm. but there there aren't too many combo decks such as storm uh or <laughs> or doomsday or i guess for that matter anywhere <laughs> uh, um, but yeah. but there are i think it's it's a fairly diverse uh meta i would say nice yeah um, and in terms of how things I guess people in China net deck Like anybody, everybody else everywhere And so there's obviously the Star City Games influence In terms of deck lists But there's also the Asian influence You know, like you, sometimes you see these sort of zany Japanese deck lists where they're running like Three of this card instead of four Or one of this card instead of zero Like um, uh, China, some Chinese players gravitate towards that as well um, so there's it's a wide it's a wide range, but it's sort of a mishmash of different different uh, regions. And in terms of how people play culturally, I think the the hardest thing for me at first was just the the language because not a lot of them are good at verbalizing in English. And so when we had to name things with cabal therapy or meddling mage, it it was initially a little bit difficult to understand what they meant and for them to understand what. I meant, but I think it's it's all sort of achievable when you write things down, when you take out your phone and you you look up the card and you show them the the card text, so it's not too bad. Um, there is a little bit more of people just commentating on you behind you when you're playing. Uh, it's it's sort of I, I I guess in North America, people are generally more respectful when they're observing you, but they just kind of, like, point at you, or at least in my experience, <laughs> they point at you and say, should have done that. <laughs> or, like that. <laughs> sort of like watching people play Chinese chess uh, on the street, but, like, mm. magic style, you know? So Wow, that's
0: a, <laughs> that's pretty hard. That's intense. <laughs> just oh, constant judges. It's kind of, that must be how Pat feels every time I
2: hang out with him. <laughs> I was going to say, that's exactly how I feel. Oh, Pat, you should have done that. You probably shouldn't play tree lightning as an instant. Oh, okay. Oh boy.
0: (laughs) Nice. Well, uh, I think we finally have our third co-host joining us here tonight. So uh, let's let's get a little Adrian action going on this call. Are you there, gentlemen? Hello,
2: mom. Bob, mom. Are you there, Bob? Mom. (laughs) Mom. Your mom has a handlebar mustache, like. <laughs>
0: That's actually, so if you ever, if anyone ever runs into me at events, like one of my things when I'm just bored and I want to fuck around is pairings go up, and you know how people are like, going around, it's like, uh, Tom, Tom Shea, anyone? I just go around, uh, dad? I'm playing
4: dad? Is dad here? <laughs> Does anybody actually go around going <laughs> with Tom Chen? To Playing against Tom <laughs> That the first name that Jerry. came to mind.
0: Well, he's he's a he's a yeah. pretty good Legacy player, so you know he's on. You know, it came up. He, he hates is.
4: Legacy. What are you talking about? He plays about?
0: it though. Okay. He, <laughs> okay. he yeah. he's always commenting on it, which is why it's. Pr- I hate. It. I hate taxes, but I don't Truthfully, truthfully, I just needed, I I said Tom, and I needed to come up with a last name. And like, oh, okay, there we go. <laughs> yeah,
2: I know. And like a typical Boston boy, you yeah. chose Shay. it's word association. <laughs> it, was, it was either that or like Shaughnessy, Shaughnessy or O'Connell. O
3: s- o, o. Yeah.
2: O'Malley. O- o- yeah.
0: O'Patrick McGonaghy, O'Colin. <laughs> <laughs> <Thank> <laughs>
2: Uh, so Adrian, we're just we're sitting down with James right now. Um, we've been talking about his book. Which uh, did you get a chance to get through a, a good amount of it? Not yet. <laughs> yeah. Not
4: yet. I'm still. I'm. I'm trying, man.
2: I'm trying. I know. <laughs> Adrian's been uh, uh, inundated with home repairs lately.
4: Oh he's my god! Uh, and then the past couple of days, I went to do the rotors on my car.
2: <laughs> he's more. <laughs> he's more. He's more Bob Villa lately than Bob Wong. You know so. Uh.
5: Uh, but Adrian, it's good to meet you, uh, online. Yeah.
2: Yeah, well, it'd
5: be
4: good to meet you someplace else too. Where, where I, uh, now I'm probably, like, gonna ask every question that's already been asked. So, I, I, may, like, this is really unfortunate, cause I'll have to listen in next week and go, oh, they didn't even ask him. James, where are you from? <laughs>
5: uh, I'm from Taiwan originally, but I grew up in Canada since I was seven, so I'm Taiwanese Canadian, but, uh, so in Vancouver, so I used to play a lot in Vancouver and Seattle area, but, now I play Legacy in Beijing, which is where I live.
4: Oh, you're still in Beijing then?
5: Yes. Yeah, okay. I'm talking to you guys from the other side of the, yeah. the planet. I,
4: I,
2: <laughs> oh man, I don't think I can drive here. Like, yeah. <laughs> so is it? So what time is it there, James? Because it's it's 9 p.m. on the East Coast here.
5: <laughs> oh, we're just 12 hours ahead, so it's not. Yeah, okay. yeah. James okay. is
2: living it's in the future. He knows what's going to happen tomorrow. That's, <laughs> that's true. That's true. I,
5: I am. Yeah.
2: <laughs> that's not bad, getting up at nine, talking a little legacy, that's kind of, that kind of sounds like a good deal there. Yeah. <laughs> so, <Man>. uh. It's
4: <laughs> already been asked, but, uh,
2: <laughs> is there, is there a lot of <laughs> legacy <you're talking>
0: <laughs> We were literally talking uh, about that before you came on. <laughs>
4: well, that's why I just told you I'm going to ask every question, sorry. <laughs> okay, <laughs> so, seconds. So, thanks, oh, thanks okay, for, for not having me jump error. in like 20 minutes ago. <laughs> oh man. I'll give you the short answer, which is yes. Okay, good. Thank you. so that's all I needed was the short answer. If it's already been asked, the short answer will do. So, now why why are you in China?
5: Oh, okay. So, I was in China for for two reasons. One oh, actually that- i
4: I'm, I'm, I'm bad I'm sorry to interrupt you. I'm bad at geography. Is Beijing in China? <laughs> Are we going to get to, like, socio-political conflicts right now? <laughs> no, I'm just, no, I'm actually trying to learn something about the Japanese.
5: Right? Uh, I want to kind of. No. Yeah, um,
4: I don't really know.
5: Uh, Beijing is in China. Beijing is the capital city.
4: Okay. Alright.
5: Yeah. So. And so yeah. Go ahead.
4: No, why are you in China?
5: So, I'm in China because I... Uh... I got into a relationship, a long distance one with a girl here, <laughs> who was, uh, who was based in China, and so we, I wanted to try and make it work, and so that's what happened. Uh, okay. Four and a half years ago, I decided to move over here, and uh, we're, we're still together, so it's Oh, work. nice.
4: Alright. I was, I was gonna say, and then the relationship fell apart, and I'm still in China. <laughs> I wasn't sure where that was gonna end up, so that's good, you guys been together for four and a half years.
5: Yeah, yeah, it's been really good. In fact, we're, uh, we're getting ready to go into the, f- the, the final rounds, uh, next year. So, um, yeah, so I think that's, that's been really good for, for All me personally right. and for us. Wait, wait, yeah. the, the yeah. final, final round's
0: marriage? Is that what?
5: <laughs> okay. Yes, yes. Is this like a cage <laughs> match? Yeah. Like, what's going
3: on? <laughs> I'm trying to use really flawed
4: yeah. magic analogy. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Wait, if marriage is. If <laughs> I'm still waiting for final yeah, rounds. Yeah, ma- if marriage
0: round, is final round, <laughs> what's top eight?
4: <laughs> top eight is when I you're still dating. I,
5: that, I wouldn't be Yeah. Oh, that. man. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so I think one part is just sort of the relationship, and the other aspect is Canada, or Vancouver and Canada, have quite a small market in terms <clears> of, tech, <throat> of tech, and I, I have a tech background, and so. Okay. I had been looking for roles outside of Vancouver for a while, and so if it wasn't going to be China, it was probably going to be the U.S. And so I, I found a role here also that was pretty good for me in terms of uh, being able to use my my background, and also the fact that I'm bilingual um, helps a lot too. So um, yeah, so it's a it's a number of factors, and mm-hmm. so but I think the the number one thing was just sort of uh, I, I, made an impulsive move to, to come here and to see what it's like after being in Vancouver for 23 years, uh, mm. since I was a kid. So I wanted to sort of see the world in a little bit differently. So.
4: How old are you, James?
5: I'm 34 this year.
4: Okay. All right. You're over there. Um. And you now? Did she know that you played magic originally, or did you hide it under your bed? <laughs> well, no, that's what I it was, was. It like was it one of those like? I mean, did did she know? How often do you play
5: currently? I currently play maybe once or twice a month in okay. a local local weeklies. Okay. And when we met, I probably played a lot more magic, and she knew about it. I think I was much more hardcore into magic. Mm-hmm. a few years back, like 2011, 2012. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's always been fine because it's just a hobby, and she sees it as a hobby, and so do I. And there have been times, like I've written about, where I've gotten a little bit too competitive, but I, I'm usually pretty good at internalizing that, so <laughs> it has not been been too bad.
4: Now, how, your tech background, is it a lot of coding?
5: So, I have a tech background in computer science yes so I, mm-hmm. I I did coding initially in the early stages of my career. Then I realized that I was a lot more enthusiastic about working with people as a team okay. and so i kind of I moved into more project management and now i'm doing product management, which is sort of working on software products and deciding what direction it goes, working with developers and designers on the team that kind of thing so that's that's the thing that I really enjoy doing now and i i'm I'm really engaged by that, so...
4: Okay, that's that's kind of what I, where I was going, was like, do you find that there's other avenues now that that obsession comes out on?
5: I think so. so. I think so, because... Uh, sorry to cut you off, but it's... Uh, it, it's basically... I think everything that I enjoy doing, there's a certain mountain that you have to climb. In terms of, you're starting out at the bottom, and you... Whether it's magic or getting good at building products or... Writing, podcasting, as you guys know um, There's a lot of things that I I really Like the discipline That you need to mm-hmm. get good at some of these Things and to put in the Proverbial 10,000 hours Of practice mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so that's always been something that I've been really drawn to, I never wanted to play Something like uh, Tic-tac-toe too long Or games that were fairly easy to master I always wanted to play these things Or do these things where I would get beat up by other people or it would be extremely challenging, but I had this sort of mindset of trying to get better and improving myself and mm-hmm. this kind of thing.
2: Yeah. Um, I just thought it was interesting that you became like more competitive in legacy. That was sort of the way like the avenue of your that you chose to be competitive in the game. What kinda of, I mean, I know you said that you enjoyed the larger card pool and uh that it was uh Kind of just had a kind of a, a nostalgia factor for you, um, but I'd also imagine that like to be a competitive legacy player must be difficult. I mean, it's a little bit probably less now. So with like the Star City Games Circuit and whatnot, but I mean, how did you find that like being a competitive legacy player sort of played out for you? You know, in like say uh, leading up to 2014 when you said you went to GP New Jersey,
5: right? So it wasn't. Really, that hard of a choice in the beginning because I found that through playing with players who were my friends, like Matt, they all my, my friends all gravitated towards Legacy. So it was really the fact that there was a play group already when I was in Canada that was really into that. We would drive to different places and play. And so I never really thought about you know I should be playing standard or I should be playing other formats because I had enough stuff going on with this one format which challenged me enough that I wanted to keep going. Mm-hmm. And I sort of made the decision to keep playing Legacy when I was alone here in China, alone as in I didn't have the group of friends I had before, because I had this sort of mistaken notion that I could still be somewhat competitive as a few times, playing a few times a year. So I, 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 I kept one or two decks with me when I was in China. I chose not to take my whole co- collection here and I would just Play at first. I decided to just play Magic when I was traveling. So when I was not in China, when I was in the U.S. for work or elsewhere, I would bring my deck and go to a local tournament, which is also great fun because I you get to experience different metas and um, and, and all that kind of thing. But it it was sort of like I thought that Legacy was fine to play several t- just a few times a year, mm-hmm. but I didn't put in the work and the practice, and so it became this sort of really bad negative loop where. I wanted to play for fun, but when I played, I also wanted to win, and I didn't put in the work, so I wouldn't win, and it was really, it was really bad, and I think it was probably a few, it was actually just before New Jersey in 2014 when I finally thought to myself, well, I have to make an ult- ultimatum here. I have to decide whether to go really deep into Legacy and try to get better and play a lot, or just not play, because the type of personality I am, I don't know about you guys but I I I think I think a lot of legacy players are competitive and so I didn't want to just play for the sake of playing I wanted to win and do well and so I had to make a decision there and I met some people in China I reached out and uh through I found some people through online actually who were in in Beijing and we just started hanging out and playing legacy and they kind of took me under their wing and that's sort of how I got my play group now and um I to answer your question, it's really, in the end, it's really just, Legacy was something that I started with because of circumstance, I had friends who played it, and then I just never really got into the other formats because I could always find enough challenges and games with the format that I was playing. So, mm-hmm. um, and, and given limited time, I didn't want to have to learn uh, a bunch of new blocks mm-hmm. or formats. So yeah.
2: yeah, I could definitely empathize with the time factor, that's kind of what got me into Legacy was that... I didn't have the time to keep up with standard. I mean, modern for sure and certainly not standard. I just didn't have the interest in, in trading in those formats and trying to keep up with the deck lists and all that stuff. So I can definitely see time being a factor as what would push you into a, into a, one of the eternal formats, so to speak. James, uh, when, so when you went
4: to China, you didn't take your whole collection. What were the decks that you kept with you?
5: So the deck that I took with me was a storm deck. <laughs> I had this mistaken notion that I, I could play Storm a few times a year and be successful, just like yeah. old fishing and showing up, and it was an absolute mistake. And nothing against Storm. I actually played the Epic Storm for two, three years on and off, uh-huh. and I found myself in a rut. And I think I even told Brian Cook this because he and I know each other and we <laughs> we talk about it. And I, you know, he's a Storm Master. I'm not. So, you know, to expect to do well playing Storm a few times a year is just pretty stupid. <laughs> but but that's kind of what I did. Is I, I played Storm on and off when I was uh, initially before getting into Death and Taxes
4: okay so those are the two decks that you brought with you
5: that's right. I, I actually managed to get the cards for Death and Taxes a little bit later after a friend in China lent me his deck and then I sort of just fell in love with the, the deck after playing it a few times so I, I got my own cards after Oh that. yeah.
0: Speaking of that actually brings up a good point is um what's the like card market in, in Beijing? Like is it difficult to get certain cards or other cards more plentiful than you would expect in, you know, uh, North America?
5: Okay, yeah, that's a good question. So card availability in general is not a problem. So there are a number of stores in Beijing that host a lot of players and have very passionate store owners. And if you want to get sealed product, if you want to get commander product, if you want to get singles, it's all there. So, um, you know, if you want to get pimp stuff, people can also do that and get that for you. Now... The there's also the fact that China has a very developed version of eBay, so you can just eBay anything you want, and oftentimes it's cheaper than getting in stores, and shipping is basically free in China, so you can. There, there's a lot of conveniences to to cost conveniences to be in here. So um, there there's a lot of you can get anything you want, and there will also be players such as myself or others who or dealers who go travel between countries for gps or tournaments Mm -hmm. and oftentimes if you just know them you can get them to bring you back something so you know i I see people playing with star city game sleeves and um you know russian delvers Mm -hmm. so it's not it's not that what what,
0: what about the what about like older stuff like are, are these dual lands any difficulty like how reliably could you go out and buy a tabernacle tomorrow if you wanted
5: uh, if you know the right groups Like they have the equivalent of Facebook groups In China You could probably find individuals Who have a tabernacle I, I think I saw somebody selling that the other day Another guy was trying to offload The Judge Force of Will set Play set um, I, I think there are some things like power And FBB duels Which can be a little bit harder to get Or certain language cards Like uh, Russian and German Are still fairly difficult but if you just wanted to get English or Chinese foils or older cards from Legends Antiquities, it would not and be a to problem. To be
0: fair, that I, I mean, that sounds pretty similar to even how it is here and in a lot of places uh, in America. I mean, like there are probably whole stretches of the middle of America where you couldn't find a duel for a hundred miles. So I, it, it definitely <laughs> sounds like it's you know very well available. You know, a lot of access for you.
5: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, if you wanted to get just revised white border duels, you can get them very easily in China, just as you can in many parts of the world.
0: So, I, I was wondering, oops, sorry, go ahead,
4: Adrian. Uh, just out of curiosity, um, due to what I guess I see around here, is it even a, pr- is it a problem or a concern with the calculates <laughs> there? Question. <laughs>
5: yeah, it's actually a very commonly asked question, but, The real answer is that it's not really an issue in China, despite it being produced in Chinese factories, these counterfeit cards. The fact of the matter is, most players here have pride in their collections and playing with pimped out cards and real cards just like you guys do in North America. And so people self-police. I mean, we're we're not going to be allowing fakes, and if someone's caught with a fake in a tournament, he or she's will not be in a tournament and the rep of that person will suffer. So I mean people do have these um, obvious obviously proxy proxies when they're play testing, but you'd be surprised to know that uh, so just because they're manufactured
4: there doesn't make it a larger demand.
5: Exactly. It's yeah. it's really not an issue when it comes to competitive play. Now, I don't know how many people how many people will buy these things for um their personal collections or a proxy or to play test, but I can tell you that in tournaments it's not an issue. Nice. Mm.
0: Yeah, that's awesome. I actually uh, saw my first uh, Chinese fake at uh, That's Entertainment on Sunday. Uh, so Nate, who is the local judge and buyer, he actually ordered one of these fake cards so he could use as a reference when he was buying cards. Because he was worried that, you know, if if the fakes got good enough they, he might accidentally buy some fake cards for the store. And then he got the Chinese fake and he's like, Oh, I don't know what I was worried about. Like, this is very clearly a fake card.
4: So why what did it what did he buy and how he much did he did? He just bought a
0: single noble hierarch fake card and he paid five dollars for it. Okay. Um, and I, I held it and I'm like, if it was in a sleeve across the table in like a convoluted board, I probably wouldn't notice it at all but i mean i probably also wouldn't notice computer printout that much that much more but when you hold it in your hands you can just like tell it just feels wrong it it, it burns the it burns the hand like a like a gemstone with a gypsy curse is how i would describe it <laughs> 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 uh, but yeah so I, I, I think it's i think it's interesting I, I, I don't know uh you know how the whole con- counterfeit it. Issues gonna play out, uh, over time, but I don't, I'm not really that concerned about it at this moment.
5: The key word is right, at that this does, moment, yeah. right? Because I think eventually it'll be, it'll be virtually indistinguishable. Mm-hmm. I, I think anyway, I mean, I'm not trying to be skies falling, but I think at some point they will manage to do that. And I think that's also why things like the reserve list need to be abolished at some point but that's yeah. that's a tangent for another DX I feel like you can get into
0: like a philosophical yeah. argument about that is like if a counterfeit is so good it's indistinguishable from the original is it still a counterfeit? <laughs> like
5: right it's kind of like if a tree fell on the forest. Yeah, kind of
0: ex- uh, exactly it's, it's like if there's no yeah. possible way for you to tell that it's a counterfeit you know what what does that mean from just, like, a metaphysical standpoint on, like, the existence of these cards. <laughs> We're getting real deep this this episode, guys.
2: <laughs> <laughs> uh. So you said that you originally started the book, which is... <laughs> so this is kind of amazing to me that you started off as something like a blog post and you turn it into, like, <laughs> a multi-hundred-page book, like... What, what drove that? Did you just find that you had a lot to talk about? Like that you were just, you had t- too much in your mind or, or was it just like you finished the post and decided to add another part to it and then another and it just sort of snowballed from there?
5: I think it's, it's really a combination of three things. So when I wrote the post, I was expecting nothing. I was basically just getting stuff off my chest as I was telling your co-hosts earlier. Like I just really was, disenfranchised with how I was perceiving or playing magic and I wanted to get some stuff off my chest but I realized through sharing the post that I actually managed to get some fairly interesting feedback from people online who I didn't even know like I posted the thing to maybe my Facebook and Reddit and I I got emails from people saying that they really identify with some of the themes of struggle and and I I I was not surprised I was not prepared for that and I thought hey that's kind of cool because uh, i'm writing about something that people don't often write about at least in long form um, there are exceptions but but you get the idea so that was sort of the one one of the reasons is just that I felt like this is an underexplored area and and I got encouragement from the magic community to keep writing um, The second reason is a more base one it's i always i always love writing I wanted to I wanted to write a book i writing a book is just on my bucket list and it's just it's just a passion of mine i Always loved reading. I always wanted to to write something. And the third reason is really uh the community. I had some really good friends like Matt and Julian Knob uh who plays Legacy Elves in Germany. They just really, really, really supported me from day one. They said, Hey James, you can do this. You can write a book. I like the way you write. Um I need you to write this book uh for all of us. And and I, I I'm super, super grateful for that. That I had a support network who um, who really encouraged me and said that it was possible. I don't think I could have done it without them. So
2: now did you find the writing of this book to be to have to be sort of like healing for you after coming off New Jersey sort of like it had a like a cathartic moment? Uh
5: I don't know if it was cathartic, but it was definitely therapeutic. Like just mm. writing it, I like to joke to my friends that it was uh it was cheap therapy. It was like it was like sitting down on a couch and and uh and just sort of um, Letting it all out So, yeah, I think the process of writing it Really made me reflect on My experiences more And it allowed me to come out of it with a More positive mindset As opposed to going into the writing I thought, oh, fuck, this game sucks I'm going to quit, <laughs> this is the last thing I'll ever write about magic
2: so. <laughs> Yeah I can understand the uh, Parts of the frustration of You know, I haven't had that in magic necessarily But certainly in other competitive aspects of my life Where you come up against a wall and it's just like, you're just like, fuck this, I'm done. I can't do this anymore. <laughs> mm-hmm. I'm really just fascinated by, by what you've done here with the book. I think it's very interesting because I feel like there's not a lot of long form magic literature out there. Like there's like some theory stuff like, what was it Steven Indian did a book on Gush? Is that who did it? I can't remember. Yeah, that was him. And like Patrick Chape has written a couple books and, uh, um, but, but it's all been on like, it's all been on like, theory crafting and the game itself and yours to me I think I think one of the takeaways is something that I know Adrian's brought up and something that I agree with is that I think that one of the strongest parts about magic is like it's kinda can be sound kinda lame but sort of like the friendships that you build, right? The relationships you, the relationships that you're able to build with other people. And I think the book does a really good job of highlighting different times in your life where um that this game either you know kind of uh encouraged or reinforced these relationships. And I think it's really cool to have a book out there that um, dives into more of like the human aspect of the game than necessarily the technical play of it.
4: That's what I'm interested in, is it sounds more like um personal it's it's a personal story of experience. It seems like it's a personal story of experience through the game as opposed to um, tactics and strategies.
5: You're absolutely correct. You're absolutely correct because I didn't want to write a book just about strategy. There are a hundred people who um, a million people can do that better than I than I mm-hmm. can. And I wanted but, to offer an alternative can, to you.
4: And nobody else yeah. can share your experience like you can.
5: Exactly. And I think what I tried to do in the in the book, I don't know if I've done this extremely well or not, but it's I've tried to generalize the experiences so that it is just about addiction, obsession, and being competitive. Um, mm-hmm. I've shown the book to people, to friends who don't even play magic and because I wrote enough, uh, preamble about magic, they could kind of follow along and uh, it's really just meant to be a book about here's my experiences and here's what I learned and here's how you can apply it to whatever it is that you're competitive in.
4: So anyway, James, I was asking you about how your girlfriend takes to you playing magic because one of the things, it's like the longer you're with somebody, everything you love about, like the way I kind of look at it is everything I love about leader is everything I'm going to end up having to use as my defense in a trial. <laughs> <laughs> like,
0: wow that that is a sentence that is a
4: sentence you need to
2: unpackage <laughs> like the
4: same it's this and I say it's the same thing with her with me like she loves the fact that I can get obsessed about something focused and and completely driven. She said something to me the other day she's like you know if there's something that I want to get done as as sure as the sun rises, I will find a way to do it like I just mm-hmm. get determined a- and um that's one of the reasons I was asking you about that, Change with your, with, uh, with your girlfriend is, and, and how it's come out in different places, because that's been, that's been one of my experiences. Like, whether it's, oh my God, I get so, I get so deadlock focused in so many different things, whether it's podcasting or playing or, uh, real estate garbage now or mechanic stuff or whatever it is, I find something that I end up just obsessed on. You know, like, and, and I think that's just part of my character. You know what I mean? And that's what I'm curious to see out of the book is how that, how, how your experience develops through that and, and to see if that's part of your experience. So one thing I'll, I'll be expecting is as I, as I go through, I will probably be uh, tweeting certain quotes back at you.
5: Yeah, I, I feel like we have some, or we all have certain things in similar, in common when we are playing the game that we love and we're really obsessed or focused on it, or whatever it is, and we have loved ones, and and, and it definitely impacts um, relationships with other people, significant other. For me, to be honest, I haven't quite figured it out yet. I mean, there are times where I get really insanely locked into magic uh, when I know I probably should be doing something else, but I think for the most part, I've, especially after 2014, after New Jersey, I sort of thought to myself... I, I need to do a little bit less of magic and more about focusing on things. So, for example, writing the book, I mean, she obviously had no problem with that because she knew that I was extremely passionate about it. And yeah. I, I had to change my life so that I, I went to bed early and uh, got got up early so I could write before I went to work. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, you know, there's things like that which are actually good habits. And the way I sort of rationalize is that um, if you're passionate about something, as long as you're not letting it dominate you 24-7, it's it's okay, and I think she can see that, and my family can see that too. So it hasn't been a huge issue uh, in the recent years. I really, really, really I can't say this enough. I really appreciate you guys um, uh, doing this. Uh, I'm actually, I've actually just launched a podcast of my own, and I'm really, really bad at it right now. But I would love to have you guys on the show oh, at some yeah, point too, uh, as a kind of exchange. If you guys yeah, would be, uh, yeah, that'd bad. be sick.
2: I would be definitely in for that. I'm sure oh, Jerry yeah. would too.
5: And Adrian Yeah
4: and if you need any yeah, Well I mean not that you do But yeah I mean if you need any insight As far as like well, I don't know what you're using for producing software But um you can uh, hit me up too
5: I'm, I'm, I'm really ghetto right now. It's like Skype Recorder and using Audacity and that's pretty much it. And Yay!
4: It. <laughs> <laughs> Let's hear it for ghetto! <laughs> <laughs> um,
5: but, but yeah, I'm just super grateful that you guys have me on the show and I really enjoy talking to you guys and I hope that we can definitely keep in touch for all things magic and oh, legacy yeah, related.
2: Man. Yeah man, absolutely. Now if our listeners wanted to, uh, maybe talk to you about the book, where can they reach you? Do you have a Twitter?
5: Yeah, absolutely So my Twitter is just James underscore HSU And uh, James Shu, And uh, I also have my book on uh, Amazon Amazon.com, Magic the Addiction And I just launched a new podcast called Humans of Magic So you can find all of that uh, doing a search Or just yep, tweeting or
0: hit, hit us up too, awesome. we'll, uh, we'll be sure to share the info
2: yeah, we'll throw that in the show notes as well.
0: Uh, before you go, James, anyone you, you want to scoop into top 8?
5: Ah, uh, right. I want to scoop myself into top 8 because <laughs> I have not had a chance. <laughs> oh man, ever that's ever the
0: best response eight. we've ever gotten. <laughs> that's like,
5: that's like um, this is this is like my Kanye moment where i I'm, it's all about me.
2: I love it, I love it.
5: <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <laughs>
2: Nope, nope, don't apologize. Kanye yeah, yeah. won't apologize. <laughs> well, he's he's Canadian. It's it's in his nature.
3: <laughs>
2: oh, of course, yeah, also, of course. <laughs> also not going to let you finish. Uh, anyway. <laughs> uh, awesome, man. Well, James, James, thank you so much for coming on, man. It was great yeah, to talk man. to you. Um, and like like I said, anything you need, hit us up, and uh, we'll talk to you soon, man. All right, take it easy. Take it easy. See you, man. All right. Do you want to talk about some GP prep, Jerry?
0: Hell yeah! Uh, All right, I actually had some people over at my house last night for some testing. How did that go? Uh, pretty good. So I had Ian and Sean and Keith Wrong actually stop by because he was dropping off a uh, Judge Foil Flusterstorm for me because I have a problem. So seeing <laughs> <laughs> shows is getting a little bit shinier.
3: Uh,
0: Ian but, McCown? No, uh, yeah, Ian McCown, uh, Sean, uh, Keith, and then also Blake, uh, uh, who's a very good lands player in the area, right. came by and we played. And one thing we actually did that was super helpful um, is you we... Playing Legacy? Well, yes, besides playing Legacy, <laughs> is what we had is uh, we had an odd number of players um, at towards the end because people started trickling off. So what we did is we had th- both players play with their hands face up with a third person commentating on the game. So basically uh it was it was Lands versus Grixis Delver. And it was just like you draw the card, everyone can see the card, the player says, Alright, this is what I'm thinking about doing, and then the other two players weigh in and let them know, you know, what their thought process is in the same situation. So it it just allows you to kind of think about decks and plays and lines of play in a, like a, a much different
4: way than most people are used to. Yeah, because you get full information. Right?
0: right, you get full information, but it's more about just like the discussion that comes of it. It's like
4: sure, it encourages discussion. I could see that.
0: Right. So, but also just having you know uh, full information, just basic basically playing with a full Gataxian probe. Uh, makes you kind of realize certain things that you may not, uh, come to realize without doing it or would take you a lot longer. Like, one thing we realized is playing against the lands deck, uh, when a lands player starts building up cards in their hands, because they, you know, if they have explorations and life from the loams, they're gonna be playing these lands out and using them. But if you just notice your lands player just drawing card after card and not really doing anything, Uh, that really means that he's, he has one of two cards in hand, uh, either crop rotation or gamble. So he's trying to like stack the hand to make more copies, uh, for the gamble to hit so he gets to keep the card he wants. And so, using that, we were able with the Grixis Delver deck to just make Cabal Therapies just a lot, uh, you know, more accurate
4: Mm. and, you know, get a lot more value out (laughs) of them. And I can only list a nine land card, right? Right, exactly. So you're only gonna name uh, crop, uh, crop rotation or gamble? Exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, well, that's cute, yeah. Yeah. So. I'm actually curious, like, it, nobody was playing Miracles? Uh, we were playing that earlier in the night, we just did okay. a hands-up game of it. I was imagining hands-up, alright, I spent up, all three of us get to see all three cards. <laughs> co- yeah. All three- Discuss it for a good ten minutes.
0: Yeah, we'll never get through this game. <laughs> hey, it's a learning experience. That's why no, no, play no. Tests. It sounds good. It's, no, it sounds very encouraging. <laughs> it
4: sounds very good. It sounds like a good way to, to go about it. Yeah. So um, um, I, I think uh, I'm just going to mention this quick before you guys go on about the GP because this is different. I think I'm actually freed up to end up at the SCG without challenge. Excellent. Nice. So what I'm actually curious about. Is who's coming from around and is it, do I even register to play or do we just all hang out at like the Brazilian steakhouse or at the fucking event to <laughs> Eternal Masters, uh, anti-league all weekend?
2: Um, I mean, I say why not both, right? Yeah,
4: like, I'm, I'm got, that's, that's kind of what I'm thinking. As everybody drops just that to an Eternal Masters anti-league.
2: I, I think it also depends on like, um, it's because it's what, what, July 18th? Is that right? Yeah. A month away. Um, yeah. So my only question—not question, but I—I I think it'll be dependent upon how much Eternal Masters product is left and what it's selling for. Like, if it's like three fifty a box, I'm not going to be interested in drafting it. But if we can get it for MSRP still, then then I'm I'm down for sure. I'm
4: anti league sealed. Anti league sealed, you get like you buy three packs. If you get something good, you get a different pack, and like the three packs are your deck. And then you put in five lands of each color.
2: Alright, so you you, alright, I see what you're saying. You, you still have to buy packs, so if packs are going for like 20 bucks a piece. You know. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. So, so I can either enter into the SCG, or I could do Eternal Masters Sure.
4: But the thing is, is with Eternal Masters Anti-Leak, um, guaranteed to walk with product.
0: true Yeah but they're going to have penises drawn all over
3: them
4: (laughs) Oh the other And the other thing is I think um, I'm talking to one of the guys at work I may actually have a sweatshirt put together by then Sick Yeah it's, it's um it's gonna be that very limited
2: edition. <laughs> so limited, you're the only one that has. One. <laughs> so limited, there's one. So we
4: actually, don't
2: get sued. I,
4: I, 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 I may put. I, I may see if I can get the guy the logo. He said. He said it should take him no time at all. Um, and I may make two. I gotta, I gotta well, figure
0: it out. Speaking of apparel that our listeners can actually get their hands on, uh, we are go for both stickers and t-shirts for the GP.
2: Sick. Um, are we gonna have extra t-shirts for like?
0: Uh, we are not gonna or? have extra. We are gonna model them. The GP will be the modeling phase. If you would like to see what the t-shirt is looks like, <laughs> <laughs>
4: come view us. Awesome. Did you at least put the logo? Did you? You should put the image up on the Facebook group. Anyway. Yeah,
0: I think I'm gonna do that for at, and that way. That way, GP. everybody can go. What the fuck is that? <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, but yeah, it has the uh, the the new design logo with the uh, the hands uh, coming out with the t-shirt.
2: Nice, I like
0: um, it. And then we will also have we will have a bunch of stickers to give away at the GP. We're gonna awesome. have some some stacks of stickers with the new
4: logo. So how do I get my hands on one of these... T- how, do, how do I get my tits in one of these t-shirts? <laughs>
0: <laughs> um, so we are going to do a larger run. Uh, I basically put this order in yesterday at a small local print run place uh-huh. because I wanted to get them in time for the GP. That's why we don't have uh, extras.
4: Okay.
0: This was a last Scrabble attempt before uh, before the GP. But once we get back in the GP, uh, we'll put together a, uh, a larger project so anyone who wants a t-shirt can get their hands on it. So, how do I, how do
4: I get my tits in one of these t-shirts?
0: Hit <laughs> <laughs> us up on the Facebook group, and I'm sure we'll have more info, if not next week, the week after on the cast.
2: So, uh, so we got the house, right? We're gonna be heading out Thursday. Um, so we'll be doing some, some last minute GPTs on Friday. Yep. Um, uh, maybe... so L- LCQs.
0: Yeah, barely. I'm playing Sealed, uh, for my last, my last chance buys. So
2: oh yeah, can we talk about this a bit the looking at the Pez side event schedule? I haven't really checked it out after I saw that moder- that Eternal <laughs> Masters, would be fifty bucks. Uh, premier event. They're the people
0: putting on the GP premier event okay. services.
2: Oh, okay. Yeah. So
0: on Friday they're doing last chance for buys, which I was planning on grinding Friday because I I will. There was only freaking one GPT in the area this year, which kind of blew. Yeah, it
2: was kind of sucky, right? Yeah, like, I
0: just didn't get a chance to play in any GPTs though. Uh, uh, Blake, who was over last night, he played in a GPT in Connecticut. Uh, it was thirty-two people, and top eight prizes was five boxes of Eternal Masters.
4: Oh, got the shit.
0: Yeah, the the store owner get actually it. lost money on that. So 32 people showed up, and he ended up winning. So he won two buys and two Eternal Masters
2: boxes. Oh, sick. Well, I they, was going to go to that, but I couldn't make it.
0: Where so was cool this? Uh, someplace in Connecticut. It was some new shop in Connecticut.
2: Oh, okay, yeah. I, keep,
4: I was hearing about it. Yeah. And so uh, w- they're not doing... Um, what's the playmat for the event? Guys, of St. Draft. Okay. Blue. Do you guys, yeah, do you guys even remember, um, GP Boston?
0: It was dark, dark Confidant.
4: Yeah, but they were giving out playmats for all of the grinding on Friday nights. Oh, after. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like every time you did one of the, um, you could like register and drop and they give you a playmat. Yeah, the best thing is like dealers were buying the playmats for
0: $20 so you could just register for a draft, collect your three packs, drop, sell the playmat, and recycle it over and over again.
4: Hmm. I think they were. I think originally they were paying more. I think it was twenty to register, wasn't it? And they were paying them out for twenty five or something.
0: Yeah. Well, uh, they were doing in something. It yeah. was like
4: early on, it was profitable to just be cycling your right name through exactly the <laughs> grinders. Um,
0: oh, but that's what I'm saying. So for the grinder, so for the legacy constructed uh, grinder, it's twenty five dollars to enter. For the sealed grinder, it's thirty dollars.
2: So what, for what seal, What's the sealed format? Is it
0: Shadows it? over Innistrad. <laughs> oh,
2: I'd rather, you know what, honestly, I'd rather pay five less dollars and just play more Legacy. I
0: know, I do too, but I can't say no to value of six packs for five dollars,
2: plus know. prize support. <laughs> I know.
0: Like, that's the thing, is the prize support is exactly the same between the Last Chance Legacy and the Last Chance
4: yeah, Shadows but, over Innistrad. Yeah, but... After the conversation we had over Control Magic I just don't think your chances in Limited are any good (laughs) (laughs) I want to say I was on the fence the entire time And I'm still on the fence
0: Even, Even Marshall from Limited Resources was saying Yeah, in some formats it's not that good and that's exactly wow. where I was at. Uh,
2: I mean i was I'm just gonna say I was wrong like I'm actually just,
4: just I'm curious if they thought about doing control magic at Uncommon just to allow show and tell to get printed
2: <laughs> like, oh, like, forget, in Eternal like everybody's just
4: dropping show and tell. everybody's doing control magic, but then what does any other color do? Well, when control magic was first printed, it wasn't uncommon. Sure, but when Control Magic was first printed, the <laughs> creatures weren't like you had four cent Nature and you got to pay four. Yeah, or you put the first <laughs> creature in the Lord of the Pit, like, it, like you you would put it on a Sengir or a Sarah sure. But it, I mean, like Blue didn't have what Blue has today. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Which you have island fucking fish, Jackal hops or whatever the hell it was. Yeah, one of, one of our yeah.
0: list, one of our listeners posted because apparently that that comment stirred up a lot of controversy. But, uh, someone time was
4: decisive, <laughs> <laughs> yes,
0: <laughs> divisive, <laughs> um, but yeah, how Aaron Forsyth was quoted saying that uh control magic had the same win rates and limited as like Slayer Angel, so they decided to stop printing it at uncommon,
4: yeah, it just takes Baneslayer Angel <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, that's, it's, uh, I am, I am so curious to see how it plays out that I would actually, that's why I keep thinking about just doing Eternal Masters Anti League and just keep playing the shit out of it. Yeah. Um, oh, fuck, now
2: I already forgot the other part though. Oh, well. Edit that out, Pat. Uh, so, Uh, so yeah, so anyway, um, yeah, we'll see what we do, what we'll be doing on uh, Friday, but we'll be there Friday, we're gonna be there all day Saturday. Um, so find us on Twitter if you want to hit us up. Come oh. see us, say hi. And are the guys from Atlanta coming up? I think so. Yeah, yeah. I believe that's what they said. Um, it's too bad I won't be there, but
4: they fucking get some good food on them. I don't even know. Wait, what the hell fucking food is there in Columbus?
2: Yeah, I mean, regular well,
4: food. We'll, we'll explore. <laughs> okay, because I know when I went out to Kentucky, everybody was like, "Oh yeah, it's all German food out here," so you get like, be- I don't know. Bratwurst oh, or something.
2: you know what? Uh, Houston from uh, Tappan Sacks going to be there. I know that. Okay. City's gonna oh, be it's, there. It, is Celso going? Celso is not going, I believe. Uh, South Florida Magic is going. Yep. Mm. Uh, some of the Tusk guy, I know some of the Tusk guys are going. Um, uh, Kerman, you said Kerman dropped out, right? Kerman dropped out like a lame Oh. Fucking kids. Right? That's all right.
4: We'll just do it fucking twice uh, twice up at uh SCG.
2: Yeah. Exactly. You still
4: alive um, the Brazilian
2: Steakhouse? <laughs> so, yeah, so if uh if you're at the GP and you see us, come say hi. Well, You can't miss out. him, i will have his big tits in a park and a fucking, leave it a legacy t-shirt. It's true, it's true. I'll be the best looking be the guy there and then there'll be Jerry as well,
0: so. I, I would yeah. say, I would say what color they are, but I'm actually not 100% sure what color the shirts are.
2: Oh god, if they're like, they're aquiferine. I'm gonna kick you in the nuts. Jerry. I, I, no, I
0: think, I think, I think they're white on black, but my friend was joking that they were like, Hot, hot fuchsia pink with uh, nipple holes removed, and he was only half joking.
4: So I mean, I didn't that. he <laughs> didn't print some white on white.
0: Yeah, <laughs> it's white with like a slightly lighter shade of white. It's like
2: eggshell white. <laughs> <and> eggshell. <laughs>
0: yeah, it's like it's like uh, beach beach cloud white uh, on top of eggshell white. So
2: <laughs> anyway, a joke's like color jokes aside. Uh, yeah, we'll be at the GP. Come say hi to us. um... Hopefully there's decent Wi-Fi. We'll be able to get on Twitter and and uh, locate some people. But um, Jerry, what are you planning on on uh, planning for the GP man?
0: Uh, I'm running sneaking and show with some spice. Uh, I'm trying to get my hands on a moat
2: in time Ooh. for the GP. <laughs> I'm
0: gonna
2: if we get this out on Friday, I'm gonna beep that out because I don't want anyone to get the jump on you.
0: Now you can you can uh, it can be loud and clear because. Uh, right now my moat connection fell through So it looks like I'm down to getting drunk on Friday And convincing myself that buying a moat is a good idea
2: Well, well it's
4: reservist, so right? It is The GP's this weekend? It is Yeah Okay, so then So, Jerry, so you just won it then Because this ain't coming out until Monday then, right? <laughs> so Jerry just took down the GP well, did oh no, Pat did. Wait, wait, Jerry he took he did. second, Pat took first
2: <laughs> <laughs> Alright, so uh, Who you guys have for scoops? Let's do some fucking scoops in here. Uh, well, definitely want to scoop James on for coming on. He was an awesome guest.
4: Yeah, he sounded like a cool guy.
2: Yeah.
0: Uh, hopefully we can get out to the Beijing
2: Magic Legacy scene sometime. I'm down. <laughs> That'd be sweet. I mean, like I love I love Ohio and stuff, but like <laughs> I know, right? You're probably the first person ever to say that. I've actually had some great time and some great times in Ohio, so I'm not even gonna lie, man. I, speaking
0: and, of, and yeah. I'm only slightly bitter that coverage for this weekend is going to be at GP Prague instead of GP Columbus.
2: I'm more than slightly bitter. I'm pretty. What are you pissed talking about?
0: about? Pat's a- Pat's
4: fucking active. This is
0: gonna
2: be <laughs> yeah. yeah, I like how Pat got told off on
0: Twitter by Helen Bergeau. <laughs> I know. I'm, like, I'm just fucking kidding. It's a joke. <laughs> yeah, because there's no coverage at uh, GP Columbus. They're doing it at GP Prague, which is also Legacy. Which honestly, I don't blame them. I would rather cover Prague than Columbus, Ohio
2: any day. What if I, like, what if I periscope it, but I have it, like, attached to my head so you can see my
0: hand? <laughs> yeah, Pat, Pat was talking about periscoping all 15 rounds and doing <laughs> doing his own coverage, and Helen Bergeau tweets him on Twitter, uh, make sure you check with the head judge and the German <laughs> organizer as it could be a breach of contract. <laughs> <laughs> i just kidding.
2: a joke. <laughs> oh, that was great. That was great. Uh... Um, Make one YouTube
0: video pad and you're a delinquent.
2: um, You know what? Um, I'm going to get into my scoops now. Uh, I'm going to scoop in Helen Bergeau for telling me (laughs) off. Uh, What about you, Adrian?
4: I'm going to scoop in two scoops of raisins.
2: I like it. Two scoops of
4: raisins. (laughs) Uh, Two scoops of raisins and Celso. I'm going to be fucking trying to hit him up soon. I want to do it. Oh, yeah. I wanted to go meet up with them tonight, but man, the fucking that, that rotor pissed me off. i mean, I, twelve hours on one tire. That shit Jeez. was terrible. I, it's a good thing I got an air compressor because I ended up having a air chisel the fucking rotor off.
2: Was it was it bad. Just, like Frozen on? Um,
4: well, I, I let it sit for like so fucking long, and like yeah. I want to say four months ago, the e brake was dragging, and I went like okay. five, I went five miles out up the road, and when I got out of the car, the rotor was glowing orange. Oh, shit And I just It's been the same rotor I never did anything with it And then like The brakes have been working So fuck it And then a little while ago It finally started grinding bad And I'm like Alright So I, I took it off The pads weren't there And then when I went to Um I had to drill out the set screws and then when I went to put the bolts in to pull the rotor off, it just split the rotor in half. <laughs> like I had to like set pail in it and like it was terrible. Then when I finally got under there, I'm like, all right, so the caliper seized. I'll put a new caliper on too. Oh my God.
2: So it's like Murphy's law. Like anything that could have gone wrong with that did. Yeah. So
4: the, <laughs> the past two days I've got nothing done in the bathroom.
2: Oh my God. So, like, I'm,
4: Cause I'm still, I still got that project going on. Um, and it's, it's all just, uh, it's all just, I don't know man It's like any Any fucking day I don't know What the hell I'm doing One day I could be Playing mechanic One day I could be Playing carpenter One day I could be Playing computer guy I don't know (laughs) What the
2: hell they do Jack of all trades And the master at none (laughs) Scoop into uh, Scoop into AutoZone Who Adrian's Keeping in business right now
4: Holy shit How did you know I went to AutoZone
2: Well I mean it's I guess AutoZone Or like Went, AutoZone
4: stock has actually been one of
0: the best performing stocks over the last 10 years. I will <laughs> really? say they actually yeah.
4: had the caliper in stock. I, I called Advanced Auto Plants and fucking CAP and shit, but AutoZone actually had it in stock. Look so at that. AutoZone. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So, Thank you, AutoZone. Well, I'll, uh, scoop I'll scoop in AutoZone. I'm also right. going to scoop in Jiminy in again. And Josh Hand.
2: Yeah. Yeah, all good guys. Also, yeah. uh scoop into... uh who was it? Was it Zach who joined the group today? <laughs> yeah, Zach. Yeah. <laughs> who just, like, just joined the group. Like, literally, I approved him. I'm the one who approved him. And, like, the first thing he posts is like, that's a fucking idiot. <laughs> <laughs> Control Magic is great, limited. Well, he said, he said this is a constructed, said, moron. <laughs> like, okay, thanks,
4: buddy. He did say, he did say something about, you know, kudos to Adrian. I was waiting for Jerry to ban him. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Come on! Come on. Zach's a good guy. He's a good no, guy. It's fine.
2: I, I I with that I I was trying to explain to him that conversation so sort of had had already sort of played itself out on Twitter, but like part of that like the cast gets released a week after we record it. So like we have these conversations and then we have like Supplementary conversations for the next seven days, and then people hear it, and it's like, guys, we already. <laughs> this up, and I misread it. Like I miss a uh, uh, value this card, obviously. So I still don't think it's great. and It's, I, it's I, not active treason. Active treason is the creature goes back at the end
4: of turn. Tar- Control magic because it sits around.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, like I think I think that's probably what. Uh, like I said, it, it's probably a little bit of a cop out, but it's probably what clouded my judgment the most. Is like I know how bad active treason is, so. But anyway.
4: I, I'll, I'll say this. I kept like after reading that thread. I kept fucking up mind control with mind funeral. I'm like it's not even. But,
2: oh yeah. man. All right. Well, um, so I'm I'm good for top eight. So you guys all good? I'm
0: good. Though good. one last thing on Eternal Masters, I'm gonna say uh, all right. on sorry on Control Magic was it wasn't that great in Vintage Masters. That's all I'm basing
4: it off uh, of. At out a curiosity, Jerry, did they have um, Red Elemental Blast and Blue Elemental Blast in Vintage Masters? Uh no, no, they did okay. not. Okay, I'm just curious because I mean, you, people are gonna want to be. I imagine people are gonna want to be taking Red Elemental Blast just to hit Control Magic.
2: <laughs> I mean, yeah, if you're gonna kill it, it'd be good. In the sideboard, it'll be in the sideboard um all right cool so uh jerry and what wh- where can they uh find you on twitter <laughs> man
0: uh so they can find me at j m e e three r d on there hit me up um'm pretty social on it uh and also i'm on hipsters of the coast every two weeks
2: yeah and uh Tuesdays. and also and also if you want to find his writing, you can look at the daily magic update for today, yeah, uh,
0: oh yeah. Okay, shit, that
2: shit, that shit. article
0: I I like banged out in a couple of hours because I'm just like I want to build this deck and I just want to just do stream of conscious thought as I'm <laughs> was, as I'm brewing this deck.
2: It was very funny, Jerry. It really caught it really caught my attention like immediately. The first line was great. You did it. It was like a fun narrative and the deck was cool and uh, it was, you did a great job, man. Thanks. Man. So if you haven't read it yet, check it out. I'll put it. In the show notes as well. Yep, it's called uh,
0: the Participation Trophy. I basically brewed a deck that it's impossible for me to win, but I'm also going to make it impossible for my opponent to win. And just <laughs> draws the deck using infinite combos of various sorts. <laughs> All right, draws the game, I should say, not the deck. Draws the game, so you have to restart the game. <laughs>
2: uh, and uh, Adrian, if someone wants to talk to you on Twitter and uh, tell you the best way to take rotors off a car, where can <laughs> they find
4: I, I got one more quick question because I actually didn't read that ar- article but You're I know like you were talking Wheel my of Sun here, and Adrian. well yeah that happens <laughs> uh, I'm, a, I'm a rock in your stream Pat <laughs> trying to get out of this fucking cast so so Jerry I didn't read the article yet I know you had Wheel of Sun and Moon did you have energy field also? no nah, I didn't do the okay. energy field right. yeah because it's, it's not as good against all but I was just wondering um, so Pat and you were wondering what? Where can people find me <laughs> Pat, on, find on, on
3: Twitter,
4: man. Well uh, Pat you can find me On your way back from Columbus I have some commons you can bring back with you <laughs> Awesome And if anybody else wants to send commons To stack up with that um, The donations uh, go to the Wounded Warrior Project You can send them to P.O. Box 331 Southbridge Massachusetts 01550 And you can find me At Mathematicster On Twitter uh, just forget the last hour because that's what we do in Massachusetts. <laughs> and you can find me in the Facebook group. Um, yeah, awesome. Yep, and you can find me in Massachusetts.
2: <laughs> uh, you guys can find me at Pat Uglow on Twitter. Uh, search for Leaving a Legacy on Facebook and find us in the group. It's always good to uh, just tell everyone how dumb I am. Um, <laughs> you're not You're not dumb. <laughs> uh, you can also uh, uh, find us on YouTube. I've started making some uh a few a few um, uh MTGO videos, just playing Grixie Selva currently. Um, I have actually lost the last three videos I recorded <laughs> because I changed monitors and like there was I it was been one headache after another, so uh I'm gonna try to record another one tonight. We'll see how it goes. But uh check that, check that for uh for videos there. And uh I think that's it guys. Alright. E- Play us out with something pe- sweet, that
4: that's my oh. line. <laughs>
1: The Moped Store Except fuck it and the salesman's like What up? What's your budget? And I'm like Honestly, I don't know Nothing about mopeds He said I got the one for you Follow me Ooh It's too real Chrome down near I don't need a windshield Banana seat I can't be on two wheels 800 cash That's a hell of a deal I'm headed downtown Cruising through the to Tiptoeing In the street like L.A. Pulled up moped to the ballet. White walls On the wheels like Manny's dope My crew is Ill. Ill And all we need Is two good friends in the bank, in the bad little mama with the ass in my face. I'ma lick that, stick that, break her off, kick that, snuck her in the backstage. You don't need a wristband. Dope! <laughs> Killing the game about to catch a deep, past the heartbeat Dookie on the Ducati Timberland, Calitz Got Storch, Birdman Goddamn man Everybody got Bugattis But I'ma keep a hell of 1987 Head into the dealership And drop a second cup of Kawasaki I'm stunning on everybody Hella raw past wasabi I'm so low that my scrotum's almost dragging up On the concrete My seat is leather I ride them line It's pleather But girl, we can still ride together oh! You don't need an Uber You don't need a cab Fuck a bus pass You got a moped, man She got 1988 Mariah Carey here Very rare Mom G Throwing up the west side as we clear in the air Stop by pipe place, throwin' fish to our pie Downtown 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 Soundin' like a French pimp pump back in the day I take her to Pont and I watch her skate I mean water ski, ollie ollie oxen free I'm perusing down fourth and they watching me I do a headstand and eagle lands on my seat Well, hello, but baby, the kicks and ain't free, Nothing you or do you not Wanna ride with me? I got one girl, I got two wheels She a big girl, but ain't a big deal I like a big girl, I like them stassy. Going Goin' down the back street, listening to Black street. Running around the whole town. Neighbors yelling at me like you need to slow down. Going 38, Dan, chill the fuck out. Mug your damn lawn and sit the hell down. If I only had one helmet, I would give it to you. Give it to you. Cruising down broadway, girl, what a wonderful view. Wonderful view. There's layers to the shit, player. Tear my suit, tear my suit. Let my coattail drag, but I ain't tearing my suit. Tear my suit. Yeah,